My text verse is in Exodus chapter 34. And notice, if you will, in verse number 14, For thou shalt worship no other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word with your presence and power. I have no interest in giving an outline, giving a message that would be complimented as a good message, but may it be a truth that would direct us, maybe redirect our thinking and our behavior. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to have a proper focus in our life and in our minds as a result of the truth of the message this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm preaching this morning on a subject that perhaps we should talk more and preach more about, and that is the subject of a jealous God. Now before I get to the particular message this morning, I think it's important that we understand what our purpose in life is. If we do not see God as our creator, and we don't see God as our savior, we misunderstand and we misapply so much of the scripture that sometimes we live in frustration of God rather than thankfulness for who he is and what he does for us. Take your Bibles and go to the book of Deuteronomy as Moses prepared the children of Israel to go into the promised land of Canaan and gave them the book of Deuteronomy. In chapter 6 we find not only their purpose but we find our purpose for life and living. Now if you miss what I'm about to say, you're going to misunderstand what the Bible says about God being a jealous God because we typically uh, relate to jealousy with sin. Certainly, God being jealous is not a sin, and I'll come to that in just a few minutes, but we must understand our, our purpose. Now, I will introduce the message this morning and, and preach the first part. I'll conclude the message this evening. Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Bible says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God command to teach you that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. May I say God's purpose for the children of Israel was to bless them, bless their lives, bless their families with this great and wonderful land of Canaan called the promised land. Verse 2 that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, uh, thou and thy son and thy son's son all the days of thy life and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee and that ye may increase mightily. You understand God is a giver. God is a blesser, and everything you have, everything we enjoy, God blessed us with those things. 
the Bible says, As the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Verse 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. I want you to see this is a command. You and I are to love God with all our heart and with all our soul, and with all thy might. Verse 6, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Not just our head, but in our heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. I call your attention to Mark chapter 12. I'll read it without you turning to it. The Bible says, And Jesus answered them, The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. This is found consistently throughout the word of God as Solomon, who experienced every activity, every pleasure, every behavior in life, said in the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. If we understand that our purpose in life and what our purpose in life is to love God and to keep his commandments, we can understand better the instruction and sometimes difficult uh, instruction of the Bible. But if we miss the fact that God is our creator, it is God that causes my heart to beat. It is God that causes my lungs to breathe. It is God that causes my mind to think. And we find in the scripture examples when God would take the mind of a man or take the heart of a man as he did Nebuchadnezzar and he turned him and his desire into an oxen and he went from feasting at the king's table to feeding at the stable of the beast because God is in control of the mind, the heart, the lungs, the soul of a man. God is our creator. Now for more than a generation, they've been teaching in our schools that God is not our creator and we're the result of evolution. That's not just a theory, it's a devil's lie. God is the creator and God is in control. Now the sermon. The action, behavior, and passion of jealousy is usually exercised in a sinful manner. However, jealousy is not in itself necessarily sinful. A man may be zealously or jealously cautious of his honor. He may keep a vigilant watch and care over others without wrong. It is not wrong for you to 
care for and protect that which is ours. We do not think of it as a sinful jealousy for parents to watch over their children, a husband to love and protect his wife, and a wife being committed in honor to her husband. I think we all understand what I would call a virtuous jealousy, which means we are jealous or zealous for God and for right. We don't want the wrong crowd to influence our young children. Is that true? Would we work to protect our children from the wrong influences? Certainly we would, so that would be a virtuous jealousy. I'm not giving my children to the devil. I'm not giving my children to Hollywood and the rock and roll crowd. And I'm not giving my children to the behavior of the world. God gave them to me to rear in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth these words, For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Remember, jealousy like anger is not evil in itself, or it could never be ascribed as an explanation or a characteristic of who God is. God's jealousy is always pure, and God's jealousy is holy. Are you with me thus far? Everybody with me, you understand what I'm saying this morning? God is not jealous of us with a sinful jealousy, but of a virtuous and a holy jealousy. Why? Because he is the creator. He, he made us. Not only did he create us, he redeemed us when we were separated from him by sin and Satan. We belong to him, and so he is jealous over us with a virtuous or a godly jealousy. Now the passion of jealousy is the most intense emotion that affects an entire person. Jealousy is the hottest fire of passion the human can experience. Jealousy will stop at nothing. Solomon said in Proverbs 6 and verse 34, For jealousy is the rage of a man, therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. Proverbs 27, 4, Wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? Now here's the message statement. The state and behavior of jealousy is chosen as a picture, as a description of God's response toward anything that would threaten to challenge or replace God's deity, God's sovereignty, or God's glory. God will not allow anything to threaten Him being God, His deity, he being in control, his sovereignty, or his glory receiving 
uh, receiving the recognition for all good that is done. Now you understand the only way we can, as mankind, understand God is to use words, emotions, or pictures of behaviors that we know and relate to. We know the feeling of jealousy. Even a child knows the feeling of jealousy. A child, uh, maybe a, a little toddler, two years old or three years old, uh, there's a big announcement that brother is coming and that little toddler is used as a prop to welcome that little brother. But when that little baby comes and starts taking their place and they have to share their crackers and their cookies, jealousy is obvious. Now that continues as we grow, as we get older, so does our jealousy. We want to control and it is proper in its place to want to care for and to control that which belongs to us. There is no passion, there is no rage, there is emotion quite like the emotion of jealousy. We refer to it negatively as a green-eyed monster of jealousy. You let a fellow get jealous of his spouse or a wife jealous of her husband. Uh, there is a rage, a wrath. There is nothing that can control or contain that fire. Now the Bible tells us that God's jealousy is a virtuous jealousy. It is a holy jealousy. You see, I belong to him because I've not only been created by his hands, I've been redeemed and he gave his son on the cross to pay for my sins and to buy me back to him. So it's understandable then that God has a right to virtuous and holy jealousy because I have been twice bought by him. I belong to him. Now Nahum said this, God is jealous and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. Now I'm going to state again the outline and I'll finish it tonight. I want you to be back for the 6 o'clock service and hear the rest of the message. But the Bible says that the Lord revengeth. The Lord is furious and will take vengeance on his adversaries. Who are his adversaries? Anything that we would put in the place of his deity or him being God in our life. Let's go back to the command. We're to love God and to love him only. He's not to be the first on our list. He's to be the only God on our list. The Ten Commandments, very plain. Thou shalt have no other God before me. That's what the Bible says. God is to be first and foremost in our life. God will not allow. He will avenge. He will avenge anyone that would attempt to be the God of our life or who would want to be the ruler of our life whether it would be myself or another, I do not belong on the throne in my life. God belongs on the throne because he is the sovereign God. I can either give in to his will or be broken by his will, but make it known God is in control. And so his sovereignty will not be threatened. And thirdly, 
His glory will not be threatened. I want to make sure, and I prayed a thousand times over, that my heart is right in this matter. I've been excited to put before you the blessing of the Lord of that number that I put up there on that banner this morning. But make it known that God deserves all of the glory. You say, but somebody had to give it. Oh, but God had to give them strength to work and a mind to think and a heart to give. To God be the glory. Paul said in the book of Philippians, I thank my God that he has used you to meet my need, but God is the one that I'm thankful for. So understand, God is a jealous God. He will not let anybody sit on the throne of being God in my life. He will not let anybody sit on the throne of being sovereign or the ruler of my life. He will not let anybody, including me, take the glory that belongs to him. I do not think that we dwell on this subject enough. We don't think enough about the fact that I belong to God. He not only is my creator, he is my savior, he is my redeemer, he's my everything. All that I have from my wife to my children to the church that I'm privileged to serve, all that I have, all that you have, everything from the least of the food that we have to the blessings of our life we would consider the greatest. They came from the hand of the Almighty God. Satan never gave anything. The only thing good Satan ever gave was put in a trap to trap us, to deceive us, to get in us into a place of sin where he could rust, ruin, and rot our life. The only good that Satan uses, he uses in a trap of deception. God is the giver. God is the one that's supposed to be the God of my life, the sovereign of my life. And my life is to not bring glory to me. I'm not supposed to use God to bring glory to me. I'm to use my life to bring glory to God. I begin in the first part, the Lord is jealous of his deity. Exodus 34 connects a command with the character of God. When the law was thundered from Sinai, as recorded in Exodus 20, recorded again in Exodus 34, the second commandment received force from divine jealousy. Here's what the Bible says. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Now the first is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Then he says, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. For thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Since he is the creator of heaven and earth, he will not permit any creature of his own hands or any creature's imagination to be placed on his throne. Now the work of the devil is this, for us to dethrone God. Now the devil never says to you, let me be God of your life. That would not be tempting. So what the devil does is say, you be God of your life. 
He said to Eve, has God said, Satan didn't say, you ought to let me run your life. You ought to let me be the Lord of your life. He couldn't say that. He had done nothing for Eve. He's done nothing for anyone but death and destruction. So he came to her with a temptation that appeals to the flesh. Don't let God tell you what to do. Don't worship him as God. Worship yourself. We've given it many names. Humanism is a name for me being God. So the temptation is not for me to let Satan rule my life. The temptation is for Satan to tempt me to make my own decisions and me be God of my life. But God is jealous of anyone that would threaten his deity. In Ezekiel, we find a false god described, and I quote, as the image of jealousy which provoketh to jealousy. We also find the doom on Jerusalem, the holy city, for turning from Jehovah. The Bible says this in Ezekiel, Mine eye shall not spare, neither will I have pity, but I will recompense their way upon their head. Now think with me. Have you noticed it's interesting to note that false gods tolerate and endure the existence of other false gods. Tolerate is one of the buzzwords for the day. Tolerate, tolerate, tolerate. You know what they're doing? They're saying one false god should tolerate another false god. And they do. Dagon, false god in the Bible, can stand with Baal, another false god in the Bible. And Baal can stand with Ashtaroth. Stone and wood and silver cannot be moved to anger, to jealousy against one another. All but wait. Because God is the only living and true God. He is not an imagination in my mind. He is not what I think him to be. He is who he is. And because he is the only living and true God, Dagon must fall before him. Baal must be broken. And Astaroth must be consumed with fire. Do you understand how this world is working today to choose an antichrist? They say be tolerant. And false gods are tolerant of other false gods. And religion and anything imaginary can be put in there. Oh, but you let somebody stand up and say, wait a minute, I'm a Christian. I believe God is the creator and Jesus is the savior of the world. Their tolerance just ended. You know what they're going to do according to that book right there? You know what they're going to do? They're going to all get together. They're going to have a one world religion and they're going to have a one world nation government that will choose an antichrist and he's going to solve all these problems that are multiplying in our nation and in our world right now. He's going to offer peace. He's going to offer prosperity. And many are tempted to say, I'm going to let him be God. But they can't see past the nose on their face. They can't recognize that when he promises peace, war will replace the peace and prosperity will be replaced with poverty and be, re and be replaced with destruction. But God is the one that delivered from Egypt and gave the land of Canaan. God is the one that saved my soul from my wretched sin and from an eternity in hell. And God's the one that put my name in the Lamb's book of life. And it was not because 
because of who I am or what we have done. It's all because of who he is and what he has done by his love, his grace, his mercy. He made me a child of the king. Oh, be careful, dear friend, not to allow the devil to deceive you to follow those deceptions and those lies that so many in the world who are claiming individuality. They're all alike. Exodus 34, 13. But you shall destroy their altars, break their images, and cut their groves. Now let me give us a personal illustration as I close this morning. Imagine that you created the world and everything in it. And you made it for your pleasure. In fact, that's what all of us have done in our households. Think with me. Our houses are made to please us. We have chairs we believe are comfortable to us. Everything from our food to our toothpaste and toothbrush. And you may even have a different style and toothpaste than your husband or wife. You get to have your own because your house is made to please you. The style or brand of clothes that you wear you chose for your comfort. The food that we like, we choose for our comfort. The climate controlled, we choose the colors that are our colors. My color, my car brand. Imagine our house locking us out and saying, I'm tired of you coming in here. You say, what are you talking about? I paid for you. I put that lazy boy right there. I know it is not in the best place, but that's where I like it. That's what coffee cup I like. I know it's a little dirty, but that's my cup. Don't anybody else, that's my cup. That's my chair. How would we react if we were refused the entry into our own house? How do we feel when someone attempts to steal the love of a spouse? How do you respond to someone that's a little too friendly to your husband or to your wife? How do you respond to someone coming around one of your children and you know they would give them alcohol, drugs? You know that they're up to no good. How would you feel? You'd grab a hold of them and you'd tell them, how would you feel if your little girl's in the restroom and somebody's confused and a man walks in and says, I can go wherever I... How do you feel? You just got mad right then. In fact, I think I heard a few clicks. <laughs> I think I heard some folks put one in the chamber, if you know what I mean. Why? Because that's my little girl. Why? Because that's my little boy. Wait just a minute. The God of heaven who stepped out where there was nowhere to step, reached out where there was nowhere to reach and began to speak this world into existence day by day, created this world and on the sixth day he made man and he made man in his own image. And his sin separated man from God 
God gave his only begotten son, not giving his son for good men, but giving his son for sinful men. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And God sees Satan come along and say, you don't want to go to church Sunday. I'll show you more fun than you'll have in church. But, 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 but wait a minute, I belong to God. I, I, I can't go with you. Come on, I'll show you a good time. You can make it up next week. You give five more dollars, the preacher will be satisfied. How do you think God feels? Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you ever thought about God being jealous of what was his when it comes to his deity? But he's supposed to have place in our life. When it comes to sovereignty or him giving us instruction on how to live, God never advised someone that ended up in trouble. God never gave bad advice, but the prodigal son got his advice from the devil, and he ended up feeding with the swine. How do you think God feels when we take the glory that belongs to him? How do you feel when someone else is praised at work for work you did? Someone else is given a raise for the work you did. Wait just a minute. Jealousy begins to well up. I'm glad God is a jealous God. Because nobody loves me like he loves me. Stand with me. I'll finish the sermon tonight. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. You may be here this morning. And you've never received Christ as Savior. Sin has you separated from God. This morning you ought to trust Christ as your personal Savior. If you've been saved, you're going to follow the Lord in baptism. Just come, just come to the front right now. If you're getting baptized this morning, I'll let you come ahead of those that are coming to the altar to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that this morning we would not just hear us sermon and truth and walk away and forget it, but we would ponder who is God and sovereign. Who does get the glory from our life? Lest the devil should lie to us today and say, we don't get anything. Help us to look around and realize we've been blessed mighty well and beside we have an eternal home in heaven. I pray that you'd help us this morning to think about the fact that you are our God and you deserve to sit on the throne. You deserve to be sovereign. You deserve the glory. Help us as we commit and recommit our hearts, our minds, and our lives to you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray.